0: Good morning. My name is Dr. Makan Moïse Mbeng. I'm a lecturer at the Geneva University Law School and at the Graduate Institute of International Studies and Development. I'm also a visiting professor at the Catholic University of Lille and at Sciences Po Paris School of Law. I am very pleased to be here today and I will address uh, the topic of the principle of non-discrimination in international trade law. Uh, with a focus on the, the GATT, the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade. Uh, as an introduction, uh, it is important to recall that non discrimination is the cornerstone of the multilateral trading system. It is a fundamental pillar of uh, WTO law. As was s- stated by the Appellate Body in, uh, in one case, the essence of uh, non discrimination. Obligations uh, is to make sure that like products are treated equally, irrespective of their origin. So, what is behind the idea of non-discrimination is to prevent WTO members to discriminate products, like products. I will come back on that notion later, uh, on the basis of their of their origin. So. Another point which is important to take into account is that many historians today and many economists uh, consider that discriminatory policies uh, which were applied during the the Great Depression in the 1930s uh, were at the origin of the Second World War. So this is why fighting against discrimination is very important nowadays uh, to make sure That there is stability in international trade relations, but also in international relations in in general. And preventing non discrimination, preventing discrimination, sorry, is so important uh, that the preamble of the WTO agreement, so the agreement which is establishing the World Trade Organization, uh, uh, forces as one of the main means to achieve WTO objectives, uh, the elimination of what the preamble called discriminatory treatment in international trade relations. So to look at what is non-discrimination, I would suggest to proceed to a a contrario approach to which would consist at looking at what is discrimination. So what is the discrimination uh, which is covered uh, or which is uh, regulated by WTO law, so we have different aspects of discrimination which uh, which are uh, prohibited under WTO law. The first one is what we call discrimination the the ure. Uh, this is the most obvious type or kind of uh, of, of discrimination. It's when states uh, through regulations or through laws. Um, impose or frame uh, discrimina- discrimina- discriminatory measures. So one example of discrimination, the URA would be, for instance, when a state adopts uh, particular regulation uh, in which uh, some countries would benefit from some trade advantages and some other countries will be Expressly excluded from that uh, that system of advantages, so this is the most obvious kind of discrimination. Of course, this is not the most used uh, type of discrimination by states because it's easy to 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 to, to identify uh, discrimination when it is expressly provided for in a, in a law or a regulation. The second type of discrimination that is prohibited by WTO law and which is maybe the most vicious uh, type of discrimination, is what we call discrimination de facto. Uh, Discrimination de facto, at that level, states do not discriminate through laws or regulations, but the effect of their laws or regulations um, produce discrimination. That is why we talk about discrimination de, de facto. One example uh, of that would be, for instance, for a state to adopt a law uh, in which it grants advantages, uh, let's say trade advantages to all countries in the law. So the ure there is no discrimination. But then when we an- analyze um, the, the the countries which can really uh, benefit from the, those advantages in light of the conditions which have been uh, posed through the law what we realize is that only a very limited group of countries in reality can benefit from from those advantages. And then this would constitute discrimination de facto, because even if the state did not really um, frame its regulations in order to discriminate, de facto there will be discrimination since only a group, a category of states uh, can... can um, um fulfill the conditions that were uh, posed in the, the, the regulation. Though this disc- discrimination de facto is very vicious. It's the most complex one to, to identify when it comes to to, to tra- trade trade regula- trade relations. Then we have other types of discrimination which are which are prohibited under WTO law. Uh, you we have that kind of discrimination that we call discrimination uh, origin based discrimination so this is the discrimination that I was referring to at the beginning of my of my lecture it's when discrimination is based solely on the origin of the products so one good example uh, would be for instance if a state uh, adopts a regulation or law in which it's It states, for instance, that uh, imported products, let's say imported beef, for instance, can only be sold in some very specialized stores or in very specialized sections of supermarkets. This would be a kind of origin-based discrimination. That kind of discrimination is totally prohibited under WTO law because, as I was recalling, products cannot be treated uh, differently because of their origin. So, b- origin-based discrimination prohibited by the system. Then we have another type of uh, of discrimination, which is uh, also prohibited by by WTO law. It's what we call the natural uh, natural origin discrimination, origin natural discrimination, origin natural discrimination. It's like discrimination de facto. It is very hard to 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 identify because prima facie doesn't appear that the state is trying to discriminate products on the basis of their origin, but when we analyze the the, the specificities uh, of a market in a state, uh, what we we can see is that in reality there is uh, a discrimination uh, on the basis of origin, even if the measure uh, at first did not look as Uh, creating discrimination on the basis of of origin. One good example uh, for that would be to take, for instance, the market of a state uh, in which, uh, let's say, beer is uh, the main alcohol which is being produced at the the domestic level. And then that state decides to adopt, let's say, internal taxation uh, for beer and it applies, let's say, a very low tax of 2% for both domestic and imported beer on its market. So it looking at that, we have the same internal taxation for both domestic and imported beer. So it doesn't seem right now that there is discrimination. But then, uh, besides that, uh, that internal taxation on, on, uh, on beer, the state decides to adopt another internal taxation which is this time very high for let's say vodka. So let's say 10% for, 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 for both domestic and imported vodka on the market of that state. So looking at that regulation, we can say that it's origin-neutral uh, uh, based. But then, When you analyze the market of that state, you realize that vodka is not uh, being at all produced uh, in that market. So here, discrimination will be found because what the state is seeking in reality uh, is to kill the market of vodka uh, uh, in in its country. Of course, we can't say prima facie that there is discrimination since both domestic and imported vodka are subject to the same internal taxation, but in reality what the state is seeking is to make sure that the market of beer, the domestic market of beer, will prevail over any other market uh, uh, concerning alcohol products. So here we have a clear example of discrimination, which is um, origin-neutral discrimination. So. After having looked at these different types of discrimination which are prohibited or or covered by WTO law, uh, I would like now to turn to the two pillars of uh, the the, the principle of non-discrimination in uh, the multilateral trading system because non-discrimination has two main legal expressions if we can use such uh, such an image, the first legal expression of n- non-discrimination is what we call the most-favoured-nation treatment, most-favoured-nation treatment, and the second legal expression of um, uh, of the principle of non-discrimination is what we call the national treatment obligation. So let's look first at what is the most-favoured-nation treatment. So the MFN clause in WTO law. The MFN clause is uh, regulated by Article 1 of the, of the GATT, of the General Agreement on, tra- on Tariffs and Trade. What the most Favour uh, Nation Treatment Clause is seeking is to d- eliminate discrimination between countries. Discrimination between countries. Let me give uh, a practical example. Let's imagine, for instance, that we have three states, State A, State B, and State C, which are members of the WTO. And State A grants some advantages or some privileges, uh, some trade privileges to State B, but does not want to extend those trade advantages to State C. This would be an example, this would be a case of discrimination between countries, because state A is granting privileges or advantages to state B without extending them to state C. So here we have a situation of discrimination um, between countries. That kind of discrimination is totally prohibited uh, within the multilateral trading system, because the multilateral trading system is a sort of club, so all members of the club should be granted the same trade advantages so the must favor nation clause the must favor nation treatment has as an objective as a purpose to eliminate to prevent discrimination between countries so whenever a wto member uh, grants a privilege a privilege a favor uh, an advantage to any other WTO member or to any non-WTO member, that advantage or that favor must be uh, unconditionally and immediately extended to other WTO members. So, of course, there are some, 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 some conditions for that. Uh, the, 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 the advantage at stake uh, should concern like products. So let's say if state A gives an advantage uh, a trade advantage to rice coming from state B uh, that advantage has to be extended to rice coming from uh, state C but state C wouldn't be allowed to to claim a right to have the advantage being extended for instance for apples coming from, from, from its market. So it has to, to deal with, with like products. I will come back on, on the notion of like products in a, in a while. But what is very important with the most favoured nation treatment is that condition of uh, uh, the obligation for WTO members to extend immediately and unconditionally the, the advantage what, which was granted, uh, immediately and unconditionally. What does it mean? The best example of that is a very old dispute uh, during the GATT era in 19, 1952, uh, in which a uh, Belgian law was, was passed, um, and that law was granted tax ex- exemption uh, for products purchased in countries which had the same system of family allow- allowances than, than Belgium. So that would mean that all the products which were purchased in countries which do not which did not have the same system of family allowances uh, than belgium could not benefit of the tax exemption so that belgian law was considered during that the GATT era as as being as violating the the most favored nation treatment in the sense that the tax exe- exemption, which is an advantage, was not unconditionally extended to all other GATT parties at that time, now we would say WTO members, uh, since there was this condition of having the same system of family allowances than, um, than Belgium. So this would be a, a violation of, um, of the most favored nation treatment under, under the GATT. Besides the most favored nation treatment, the second pillar of the principle of non-discrimination is the National Treatment Clause. The National Treatment Clause is governed by Article 3 of the GATT. National Treatment Clause uh, purports at eliminating or at preventing discrimination against countries. Discrimination against countries because here what Article 3 is seeking to do is to avoid that domestic uh, products uh, are benefits from better trade regulations than imported products. This is why we call it uh, discrimination against countries because uh, through the national treatment clause the objective is to avoid that a state uh, give uh, most favorable treatment to domestic products uh, in comparison to imported products so the national treatment clause what is seeking to prevent is discrimination between domestic products and imported products when those products are like are like products so now it 's maybe the, the the time to 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 uh, address what is considered as being like products. Uh, I won't insist on that since uh, there will be another lecture in, in which I will develop uh, in much more detail what is national treatment, uh, but maybe it's important to recall that there are criteria to determine or to analyze the likeness between, between two products. Those criteria were identified in 1970 in the report of the GATT working party on uh, border tax adjustments. And four criteria were, were, were dealt with in, in that report to, to, to analyze likeness between two, two products. The first criterion is what we call uh, the, the properties, the qualities and the nature of products. The second criterion is what we call the end uses of the, the products. The third criterion is what we call the consumer's tastes and habits, and the last criterion is what we call the tariff classification of, uh, of products. As I said, um, I, I develop much more these criteria in, in another lecture on national treatment, on the meaning of national treatment in, uh, under WTO law in another lecture. Uh, but these criteria are very important to take into account to analyze whether there is discrimination or not uh, between two products. If two products are not like products, they no discrimination can be found when different uh, regulations or different um, requirements are applied between domestic and imported products. Uh, but if, by applying these criteria that I just referred to, we find that they are like products, then any kind of, um, of differential treatment might lead to a to, finding to, to a finding, uh, as, uh, to, to a finding uh, of discrimination which has been applied between domestic and imported uh, products. But what is fundamental for the national treatment clause is that discrimination will always be uh, found, will always be determined if one can prove that behind the measures that the state has adopted, the purpose was to protect domestic production. So as long as one can prove that the design of a regulation internal regulation or internal taxation uh, was purporting as um, i was purporting at uh, affording protection to domestic production then discrimination will be found there so this is the the main indicator of discrimination under Article 3 of the GATT, so under the National Treatment Clause, the main indicator is as long as one can prove that the measure is purporting at protecting domestic production, then there is uh, discrimination. As we can see, these two pillars, uh, must favor nation and national treatment, are very important. And actually, most of the cases right now, most of the disputes uh, within the WTO system are disputes which are uh, dealing with uh, p- potential or presumed violations of uh, the most favored nation clause or the national treatment uh, obligation. Now, to finish the lesson, I would like to emphasize the exceptions to the principle uh, of non-discrimination. As any principle, uh, the principle of non-discrimination is also subject to exceptions under the GATT regime and under the WTO uh, regime in, in general. Of course, it is not the place here to cover all the exceptions to, to the principle of non-discrimination, I would like maybe to, uh, to, 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 to focus on two of them. Uh, first, the enabling clause, and second, what we call the general exceptions under Article 20 of, uh, of the GATT. The objective of looking here at the exceptions uh, to the principle of non-discrimination uh, is to highlight the fact that At the end of the day, there is never an absolute or full exclusion of the principle of non-discrimination within the WTO regime. The principle is subject to exceptions, but then in fine, the obligation uh, of of, of non-discrimination is still uh, some way governing. Uh, these, uh, these these exceptions. Let me take first, as I said, the enabling clause. The enabling clause uh, was a decision uh, which was adopted um, in 1979 by GATT contracting parties through which they allowed developed countries or so rich countries uh, to grant uh, trade preferences to developing countries without extending them uh, to other rich countries. So here, as we can see, we have an exception to the most favor nation treatment since uh, the obligation to extend any advantage immediately and unconditionally uh, is not provided for uh, in the enabling clause. So the idea was to, uh, to, 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 to grant developing countries uh, a sort of differential treatment. So we have an exception. Few years ago, at, uh, in 2001, to be, to be more precise, uh, the issue was raised in a dispute before the, the WTO. The issue was raised uh, of uh, determining whether a rich country, so a developed nation, could discriminate uh, developing countries when uh, granting trade preferences. So, would it be possible through the enabling clause to grant uh, trade preferences to one developing country without extending it to another developing country? So, the main when the dispute was brought before before the WTO, uh, the appellate body uh, found that it is possible to discriminate. Between developing countries, so it is possible to grant some trade advantages, some trade preferences to one developing country without extending it to the other developing countries. If, before granting those trade trade preferences, uh, the developed country would set up a list of very precise criteria, a list of very precise criteria. So what? what does it mean? It means that if some developing countries um, uh, respond or meet the criteria which were set up by the developed country uh, in order to grant the trade preferences, all those developing countries will, will have to be treated the same way. Will have to be treated the same way. If a uh, contrario, uh, some of the developing countries would not fulfil the criteria which were pre established by the developed uh, country. Those developing countries would not be allowed uh, to claim a right of having the trade preferences to be to be extended to them. So here the the, the main conclusion that we can we can draw from this is that okay there is a possibility to discriminate uh, via the enabling clause, uh, not only between developed and developing countries, but even among uh, developing countries. But then this possibility uh, of discrimination is subject to very uh, strict conditions, very strict conditions. And if those conditions are not met, the possibility of discrimination is not... Uh, is not allowed anymore. So here is a g- a good example to show that it's uh, it's ca- it's it's almost impossible to to find uh, instances of uh, of full exclusion of the principle of non discrimination within within the GATT regime. Uh, another instance, another illustration of the continuing uh application of the principle of non-discrimination even when it is subject to exceptions is when we deal with the general exceptions under article 20 of the gat as you know article 20 of the gat allow uh, allows wto members to restrict trade uh, for reasons of of health protection for instance or environmental protection or protection of public morality. So we have a list of exceptions that WTO members can invoke invoke uh, to protect uh, some non-trade interests, and those exceptions are covered by GATT Article 20. But when a WTO member uh, invokes those exception exceptions, that member is still under an obligation to act in a way uh, which would prevent what we call unjustifiable or arbitrary discrimination. So there is a right for WTO members, for instance, to, to discriminate between two products bec- because one of the products uh, protects the environment and the other one is not environmental friendly. But in applying such a trade restriction, the WTO member has to make sure that there is no unjustifiable or arbitrary discrimination. So it is not here the place to discuss in detail what is unjustifiable or arbitrary discrimination, but some ex- one example of arbitrary or unjustifiable discrimination would be, for instance, when a WTO member uh, imposes uh, trade restrictions without negotiating with, uh, with, the, with the other WTO members. So basically when the WTO member uh, applies unilateral trade policies. So in such, uh, in such instances, we have unjustifiable or arbitrary, arbitrary di- discrimination. And if a WTO member is being found as applying its trade restrictions in an unjustifiable or arbitrary manner, then even if the objective uh, which was sought by the measure is allowed under the general exception, uh, that trade restriction would be found as being WTO inconsistent. The the, the trade restriction which was imposed by the member, uh, for instance, uh, in order to protect the environment that trade restriction will be found as being WTO inconsistent because the effect of the measure uh, is to produce unjustifiable or arbitrary discrimination. So here again we have an example of uh, general exceptions which are allowing to to derogate uh, to the principle of non-discrimination but still non-discrimination is still Uh, being taken into account uh, since uh, WTO members are not allowed to apply or to adopt measures which would constitute unjustifiable or arbitrary discrimination. So then to conclude uh, we can see that the principle of non-discrimination is uh, a fundamental pillar in the WTO system that even when it is subject to, to exceptions, there is still room for that principle to find uh, application uh, in international trade relations. Thank you for your attention.